And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is episode number 575. And tonight we will be closing out our series uh, that we've been doing for maybe a couple months now. Uh, this family series that we're going through. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking about raising children. Raising children. So uh, Mike is with me as, as always. Uh, and so we are here to discuss this wonderful topic here tonight. Uh, Mike, how are we doing? How's things going with you, brother? Yeah, doing pretty good. Um, a lot of things going on just in life and just trying to stay afloat, as they would say. But um, but a topic that um, has been talked about a lot in my household, so I may have some things to say um, about it. You know, having kids, you talk about kids. And so some of the stuff that we're going to go over, just kind of seeking to remember the truth and then, I guess, pray for the wisdom that comes from it. Yeah, absolutely. And and in our um, in this family series, you can find it over on our YouTube channel. Uh, if you listen that way, if you're on Facebook and you listen, that's really the only place you can find the playlist with the series in there. I mean, you could find them on, on the Facebook channel, but you're going to have to scroll through and find them there. Uh, they don't allow us to set them up in like a playlist. So if you want to see the entirety of the series, I want to encourage you to go over to our YouTube channel and uh, check it out over there. We talked about marriage. Uh, we talked about sin that is a, that we are all affected by uh, when you come into a marriage. Uh, we talked about um, <clears throat> divorce and remarriage. Uh, we talked about a lot of things here. Uh, and tonight, like I said, we're, we're closing it out with raising children. So if you have any questions, comments, thoughts during the program, please, uh, send us a message here. And, and if we see it uh, and able to answer that question, we will, uh, or you can, if you're watching later, uh, go ahead and put those questions in either the comments below on YouTube or the comment section on, on Facebook, wherever it is you're watching, uh, or send us an email at g220radio at gmail.com, and we will do our best to uh, answer you. So jumping into this, it is a, it's a very important conversation to, to be had, and, and one that we're closing it out with. We talked about first the theology of marriage and, and where it comes from and how God has instituted it, and we've worked our way through. Now we're talking about children. And the Bible tells us that when in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth and he created man, said it's not good for man to be alone. So he creates Eve, woman, brings marriage together. And then he tells them in Genesis 1, 28, said, and God blessed them. And God said to them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then when the flood comes because of still the sinfulness of man, uh, the, 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 just the depravity of man running rampant in the world. So God brings flood, but he saves Noah, his wife, his three children and their three wives. And he tells him the same thing from there to be fruitful and multiply. And so God has given us this command to be fruitful and multiply. Now, what does that look like in some people's families? Uh, that may look different. That may look different in, in the amount of children that one has. Um, I was actually just listening to a, a program today where they were talking to, interviewing one of the, the Duggar family children. 
don't know if you're familiar with that. They had a show, I guess it was like 19 and counting. They had like 19 plus mm -hmm. children. Um, and uh, they were interviewing them. And, and I just thought, man, okay, so some people, who does be fruitful and multiply, they're filling that quiver. And then there's others that maybe have less, and that could be medical conditions wise, whatever it may be. There's reasons. Some people have larger families. Some people have smaller families, but God's given us the command to be fruitful and multiply. So again, whatever that looks like in uh, your family, uh, children, what the Bible tells us are a gift from God. Uh, they're a blessing. Psalm 139, 13 through 16, David's writing and he says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are my works. Uh, wonderful are your works, excuse me. Uh, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So again, we're seeing David speak about the fact that He's fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows him in the womb. Even before he's forming him in the womb, God knows all the days of his life and what he's going to do because God knows all things. Uh, and then we have a couple other Psalms. But Mike, any thoughts so far of what we're, we're talking about here? Yeah, I think it's important to know when we think of Genesis, the condition in Genesis 128 is it's pre-fall. And so when we start to have this idea of being fruitful and multiply, this isn't some command after the fall to kind of deal with maybe this fallen condition. No, the command's given to Adam and Eve before and, and in one sense is blessed because God said it was very good and mm -hmm. all that he made. And that would, and so Again, when we we've talked about this a lot, just because there's a lot in Genesis that talks and gives kind of the foundations in which our understanding of marriage and the relationship and families start. That marriage and children that come from marriage and the acts within marriage are sanctified by God created or sanctified might be right we're created for good and they're an expression of his goodness and so when we get to the psalm 139 we will hear in a little bit see psalm 17 all of these are building upon god already telling us children are good and they are gifts from God. And I mean, think of how many barren women who are in the Bible mm. that we see that have at times lack of faith, Lynn Sarah. Other times we only see their faith and their continual faith in god for these blessings and god giving them the blessing giving them their desires to have children and, and i think that's you know again playing the picture 
bringing that picture of the goodness of children and what it means. And not only is that it's good, they are to help us in cultivating the earth for God's glory. So there's an intended purpose. A man and his wife come together, they have children, and those children have children, and all of this is to be done to in order to subdue and have dominion over everything God has given us dominion over, the fish of the seas, the birds of the heavens, every living creature things. And so these very foundational truths on how, even on how we talk about these topics here, begin in Genesis, like a lot of other things. And they're all interwoven, tied together, and maybe in very skeleton form. But that's where they, that's where they are. And everything after that is just building and making it more real, more present, more nuanced, especially as we study ourselves the scripture and as we get to plumb these depths as we keep going over and over. Yeah. So one of the things I want to throw out there um, to kind of maybe talk about here, when we're, ta- we're seeing that the scriptures speak about um, God telling us to go out, to be fruitful, to multiply. Um, David says we are fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together in the womb. You mentioned Psalm 127, 3 through 5 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Proverbs 17, uh, 6 says, Grandchildren are the crown of an old man. So again, speaking of parents and then the, even the grandchildren here, you're, you're continuing on this heritage. Um, grandchildren are the crown of an old man and the glory of a, of sons is their fathers. Uh, Psalm 113.9 says he gives the barren woman you were speaking of. Uh, we see these examples given in scripture and they're, they're sorrowful because they're unable to have children. Their wombs are barren, but God opens the wombs. And here in Psalm 113.9, it says he gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. And so children are a gift. They're a gift from God. And so one of the things I want to kind of uh, touch on here and talk about is uh, what are what are your thoughts, Mike? And um, on when, when we hear, like, I want to be careful because I'm not one that seeks to try to be legalistic or I do like to joke and I like to have fun and and whatnot. Um, But sometimes I hear preachers from the pulpit or um, ministries when they're, they're making jokes and they make light of children. They make jokes in reference to children. If somebody up here comes so-and-so with their church bus because they've got a large family and they might not really have a church bus. Maybe they got a minivan or whatnot and they have a large family. And there's some of those jokes that go out there. And sometimes I can find those to be distasteful. And, and I I understand again, I think there's a place for a sense of humor. So I want to be, you know, real here and say that there are times where we, we joke and we laugh about certain things, but sometimes I feel like it can come as an undermining of God's gift of children. Mm Mm-hmm. Mike, what, what do you what do you think about some of that? I mean, I think there's wisdom in who you say it with, and kind of do people um yeah, who you say it with 
you know, kind of is like the person there. I know I've had people who have a larger family. They themselves will joke. Oh yeah. That's, you know, I got, you know, this bus full of people or something like that. And I think there's times and place and there's mm-hmm. wisdom in that. Um, but I think with you, how we joke may reflect inner thoughts you know because out of the heart the mouth speaks and so even in joking there can be revealing um sinful thoughts about it um and so you know again it's if it's very lighthearted, even if the other person is kind of um, maybe joking, like everyone kind of knows it's joking, you know, it's one thing. Um, but I, but like you said, I think there is a an element, and if we can go too far, kind of adopting the worldly view mm-hmm. that too many children is a bad thing, that. Um, you need to kind of look out for you and, and, and your career and not, and I guess seeing children as a burden to who you are. Um, we live, that's the culture we live in. And those jokes sort of feed into that, feed into it. Yeah. Feed into it and to see it. I mean, my side of the family is ginormous my dad is one of four my mom's one of four my dad's mom had like eight she's like one of eight or nine my mom's side or my dad's dad had a couple like we just kind of have a big family big Mm -hmm. i mean we have family reunions with hundreds of people you know, and they're Catholic, so they brought out the keg, you know, because that's what Catholics do. Um, and, but I think there's, honestly, Catholic theology would also lead to different conclusions. But to digress, not to digress. To, not well, to that'll digress, be next digress. week's show. No, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, so I think we have to check our heart on that. And, you know, are we saying it in a way that perpetuates this kind of worldly thought about who children are um and so but you know we have um there's church we're attending right now they have several large family my home church has a larger family and you know every once in a while you know back at home um this the husband would joke about you know having a church bus or how big his family is um but i think yeah just there's a wisdom that that plays into our speech and how we talk about these things because it may be funny one time and not another mm-hmm. depending on the context and so yeah. i think it's better to again check your motives checks the context and it's probably best not to, to do it in general because it does have certain views and connotations that we may not yeah. want to present. 
Yeah. Especially if it's coming from a one who's on, on the pulpit, you know, in the pulpit um, and they're making mm-hmm. jokes and it's continuously joke joking about these things where it'll come up more than once because you tend to then again, it may be completely innocent, you know, but it, it can tend to lead to feed into the culture. And that's what we see in our culture. We have a culture of death. We have a culture that thinks that children aren't fearfully and wonderfully made in the womb. Uh, and that's why they seek to, um, end the child's life through abortion, uh, because of all of the things that come from society. Well, I want to be able to have a career. I want to be able to have this job, make this much money. I don't know if I can support children right now. I'm not married. So that obviously puts me in a situation where I could be raising this child on my own. And so therefore this is what the culture is putting on people, but the Bible mm-hmm. says that children are a gift. And I think that we, again, using wisdom, you know, if you're talking, you got a large family and you're joking with somebody or the pastor's talking with somebody and they're joking. And, and, and it's again, exercising that wisdom within the, the context of the conversation. It's one thing, but if you're doing it just to get a joke and get a laugh, you might get people to laugh, but it may be for some people starting to get their minds thinking that, wait a minute, thought this was a good thing to have lots of children and being yeah. led the other way. But <clears throat> I don't want to spend a lot of time on there, but it's just one of those things that kind of comes up when you think about it, uh, because I think it is important. Our speech, we talked about it on the show last week with divorce and remarriage. Shouldn't be something we joke about divorce within a marriage. It shouldn't be something that's thrown out there flippantly. Um, and we should value marriage just like we should value the gift that God has given us, the blessing that he's given us, the heritage that he's given us with our children. And so something to consider, something to think about. Um, kind of moving along here, uh, our next kind of moving into what does it look like to raising your children to know the Lord, raising them to know the Lord. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9, this is this famous passage uh, that's brought up so often uh, where it speaks about, uh, and now this is the commandment, the statues and the rules that the Lord God, your God, <clears throat> excuse me, commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, so your children, your grandchildren, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and and that day and that your days may be long. <clears throat> Excuse me, my throat's kind of rough tonight. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, And when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So this command given to the people of Israel, but also we can take this and say, this isn't something that we just throw out because it's in the Old Testament. This is an instruction that we are to know the Lord, to fear the Lord, to seek to obey God's commands and to teach them to our children, to write them on the doorposts. And so we're seeing this on a regular basis. 
Now I know in my home, Mike, I'm, I know it's the same for you. We've got scriptures and, and things on the walls. We have, you know, uh, artwork that has scripture verses on it, or even some um, hymn songs like it is well with my soul. Like we have some of these plaques and certain things on the wall, even in here in, in the office, I've got a verse up over there and I've got another verse over here. So that when you're, you're constantly seeing the word of God and your children are seeing this as a daily thing in their homes, it's, it's a good practice, but not only to just see it, but then also to teach it because we want them ultimately to apply it to their hearts. Right. So Mike, go ahead. You're, you're muted. Sorry, I took some water. Forgot to tell me myself. So in context of Deuteronomy 6, he just, in Deuteronomy 5, told this new generation of Israelites the Ten Commandments, the moral law. And now he is coming on and, like, kind of giving them and repeating them the this need, this commandment, for the parents to teach the kids. And, and there's reasons for it in kind of in the Mosaic Covenant that in keeping these commandments, they keep their land. He will multiply them. And this land that is flowing with milk and honey. And then, as you said, you get to this latter part in Deuteronomy 6, with um five and five through nine of there is one israel you are to serve this one israel with your entire being this you're to serve this one god of israel mm. with your entire being and then that they should be on your heart so there's this kind of meditative aspect aspect that you are thinking about god's word this is Kind of in one sense, what this um, this David says in Psalm one about the ways of the wicked, the ways of the scoffers, and then the blessed one who meditates on the law both day and night. And but not only is so there's an aspect pointing at me that I need to worship God with my whole being. I need to be thinking about his word, but not only am I supposed to be teaching, I'm supposed to then I'm turn around and commanded to teach my kids right. these words and to talk to them when we're in the house. So when I'm doing life, when I am with my kids, I am teaching my kids the way of the Christian moral life. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching them theology and, and making sure that they are, that they know what is truth and not truth. You know, obviously in the Jewish cultures, they have their flackeries on their wrists, on their foreheads and kind of really taking this verse literal. But all it is, is that our life should be characterized. Right by the word of God, and in doing so, we are showing our kids how to live as Christians. And you've probably experienced this on the street. I know I have. 
where you get this charge. Well, the Christ that um, the Christian, the church is just full of hypocrites. Mm-hmm. They go on Sundays, but they don't worship God the rest of the week. And that's very valid critique. Let's, you know, it's truth. There's truth to that. And especially when you kind of push on them, you know, they may say it's like they see this in their parents. They go to church on Sunday, but they're cussing on Monday, right, you know, right. something like that. Or they, you know, that way. Well, we should look at that. Well, they're not obeying the command of the Lord. They're not, they're not teaching their kids how to do this. In fact, that's why, I mean, in that sense, they are hypocrites to say to worship the Lord and they're not doing what it commands into training their kids and teaching them God's word and showing them how to meditate and to think about it. I mean, there's an aspect of family worship that allows you to teach them. Mm-hmm. And I think and that's where, as a church, because we've lost family worship, because we've lost the importance of church, that we are seeing, I mean, these very valid critiques of the hypocrisy, hypocrisy that comes from christendom as large and but if we just we understand the text and, and the seriousness of what our jobs as parents are and to teach our kids i think those hypocrisies go away now i still may act like a hypocrite some days because i lose my control of temper i i and my fallenness given into the sin and temptation that comes but even in those times, I can train my kids. And as we've trained our kids, that God is quick to forgive. Mm. Come to him, and he gives mercy. So even in my own sinfulness, I can model what it means to repent and turn to God for forgiveness. Yeah. And then seek forgiveness and reconciliation with the person I've sinned against. Right. And... So raising our kids to know the Lord should be the outcome of our parenting because it's how we should be living our lives to begin with. And then in doing so, we teach our kids this. And I think one other point is, you know, as Baptists, I teach my kids as they're sinners. My kids Mm -hmm. have not made a profession of faith, nor have they been baptized into the church. And so it may seem contradictory that I'm teaching my kids how to pray, kind of forcing them to obey biblical laws. And, I mean, God is the ruler, so they should obey whether they believe him or not in one sense. But my wife, in some of her reading on raising kids, I think is important, is that these little things Mm -hmm. are knowledge that the spirit can use to change my children's heart. That's why we do it. We want them to fear the Lord. We want them to believe. We want them to be in church. And so all the scripture memorizing, teaching them how to pray, teaching them to go to the Lord for forgiveness. All of these things is kind of, the means in which the spirit will use to change their hearts. 
Right. And that's, that's why here Moses has this emphasis on teaching the Israelites to teach their kids to fear the Lord. That, as Paul would say, that they will be part of the true Israels, those who believe and have the faith of Abraham. Right, right. Yeah, and I, I think what you said there, Mike, <clears throat> man, excuse me, is this modeling Christ-like behavior to our children. Re realizing and recognizing and, and allowing our children to see when we sin, when we um, are maybe responding to them in anger, um, you know, because they're they're doing the, the same thing they did a hundred times already. And so you respond mm -hmm. in anger. Um, there's many times where I've gone to, to my littlest one and, you know, I, I got frustrated with her and I responded in such a way where I'm yelling at her for what I'm doing, but it's out of an anger because I've, I've already corrected her and corrected her and corrected her and she's done something. And I've gone to her and I said, will you forgive me? Because I shouldn't have responded that way. That wasn't <clears throat> the right way as a parent. Uh, you were wrong for what you was doing, but my response was also wrong to you. Mm -hmm. And and my little girl is always like, I forgive you, daddy. <laughs> like it's just kind of so quickly. Right. But yeah. you, you're modeling that to your children. You're teaching them. And catechisms are wonderful things. You, you can teach your children the scriptures. Uh, we homeschool. And so we have a Bible class within our homeschooling. The kids are getting scripture reading and, and they're they're asking questions to their mother when they're they're going through the school, uh, through the schooling during the day but also living it out. So when they see those things happen where the world would get impatient for things, they see you being patient. They see you um, exercising self-control. They see you exercising kindness to someone. Maybe you're in a, in a situation where somebody's not being very kind to you, but you're exercising kindness to them. Those are all teachable moments all teachable moments. And when we get to discipline, we'll talk about that as well, is it's teachable moments for our children, right? Mm -hmm. And so th this is, as it says in Proverbs, train your train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And we've talked about this kind of, in our Proverbs series, we've talked about the, the fact that Proverbs are a, a, a wisdom, but we've, we've talked about this, doesn't mean that if you do everything right, your children may come to the Lord, but you're still responsible for under God to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Um, and we trust and we pray and we pray that God would bring them to faith. And so these, as, as the scriptures are being taught to them, as the applications of those scriptures in our life are playing out before them, they're learning and they're seeing things. And our hope is, as you said, Mike, that, that the Spirit then would take those things that the child has heard, that the child has seen through us as Christians and bring them to faith. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned catechism. Um, we teach our kids. Uh, we're teaching the boys and girls catechism. They're learning the Baptist catechism at the church we're attending. And what has been helpful kind of in dealing and training our kids up is in these catechisms, when they have questions, that we can go and use the catechism to help them think through their issues. Um, because the Trinity, 
for a kid is very difficult to understand. I mean, it's difficult for a an adult to understand. We can kind of get the language and that's it. But like, they don't, they don't quite understand this. Mm-hmm. Um, where then we can go in the catechism. Well, is there more than one God? No, there's only one God. How many persons are in this one God? Well, there are three persons. Who are they? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And to think about what, well, what does that mean then? And to to think about this as a family together, mm-hmm. reading scripture. Um, we're using like a an edited volume that kind of splices stories together right now. But one thing I love about it is that every at the end of every kind of chapter, there's a question is, what does this story tell you about God? And in, and in that way, I'm teaching them how to think about the Bible stories. What does this story tell me about God? What can I learn about it? We've we talked about this years ago in the Bible study technique and kind of having these questions. What does this say about God? What does this say about Jesus as God, Jesus as man? What does this say this about men? And and going through these in which helps us to better understand the Bible. But then, you know, we teach the kids that. Mm. How many people have been properly or have been taught how to properly interpret scripture. And, you know, there's one sense in which we kind of need those resources. I think this is a really good resource. Um, and I, I, I forgot to grab it before I came in. Um, that kind of helps in that way. And, and so what does this look like? It It looks like, the hard task of doing family devotions mm. and reading scripture and scripture memorization, catechesis, singing hymns, teaching our kids hymns so they have good music to sing. Some of the greatest joys as a parent those are my daughter who doesn't know how to play the piano, who can't hit a, a right note in a song, beating on her little toy hops harpsichord singing jesus loves me this i know because the bible tells me so mm-hmm. and or when we get done with family worship now and we're learning the second verse of this is my father's world and both of my kids start singing it as they're doing their chores after dinner it's these things and it's not easy and we don't do family devotions every night we try to but it's these things, the music we listen to in the car. Yeah. All of these bring about this Christ-centered thinking about these about these. Some of the songs are more, you know, don't lie. You know, lazy bones. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't have lazy bones. And that's how it was. And I think you posted it. Um, my wife made a comment. How Pierce, uh, Puritan pastors yeah, I'll put it back up. would come to the home, come to homes to teach parents on how to lead family worship, 
because that's because that was important. The father as the head of the household leading family worship would then feed into the corporate worship service in which everyone gathers together and to worship. And Mm. when we think of family worship in that way, it is helpful, especially when we tailor our family worship to help our kids in the worship. Like we teach them hymns that we sing in church. Right. You know, so they can be part of it. We taught them, we taught our daughter in the Nicene Creed because we recite that as a church. Now she can kind of partake in the service. She She's now being involved with it. They sit with us in the service. We're family integrated on our main, on our services. And so, you know, they get to see us worship, see us sing. And that's what training up the child is. It's in one sense, doing life. If we want to use kind of the modern church, it's doing life together mm-hmm. with the with the with the father leading the charge, or in an unbelieving family, or if the father is unbelieving, the believing mother leading the charge and making sure that the entire their entire life is focused and thinking on what does it mean to be a Christian. What does it mean to worship God and who is this God that we worship? Yeah. Well, you know, even going back to, you know, what your your wife had posted and we talked you talked about there with the Puritans coming in. I think I'm for family integrated churches, right? Um uh I think with a lot of the over the years, kind of it moved away from that model to you separate your children, go off to Sunday school or children's church. And mm-hmm. I'm not here to say if that's the kind of church you're in, that that's, you know, somehow um, less of getting teaching. But it has, I think if, if we're being honest, it has taken away the ability uh, to fathers to be able to raise their children to know these things. It's kind of like we're sending our children to Sunday school so they can learn there. And it takes away, it seems like, I'm not saying everyone does this that goes to a church with that, but it seems like it takes away that responsibility than when they're at home. Because no, you've got a Sunday school teacher that teaches you those things. You know, rather than sitting there together and hearing the worship and also training the child how to sit, how to be there. Like our little one moves around and she brings little mm-hmm. things that she may, will keep her a little occupied. But she listens because my wife will say, you know, Piper brought this up. We was just driving in the car and, and she brought this up. The pastor said this and she's like, well, what about this mommy? Because they listen, even when it looks like and appears like they might not be, they're hearing things. And when you're in the, the uh, congregation together and you're hearing the sermon, the message, you can relate then to what was being stated and help explain because you're getting the same message and they're seeing, they're seeing you worship. They're seeing you pray. They're seeing you were, uh, you know, serving together within that congregation. They're seeing those things. It's another way of modeling that. And I think also um, with that, it's kind of taken away. And I think we've kind of grown up in generations that aren't used to that. So pastors don't go around and meet mm-hmm. with their congregates and, and go over the sermon with them. Like, Hey, we come to help you, you know, with the sermon that we just, you know, heard this week so that you can better lead your family with that. Right. Um, it doesn't tend to happen as I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it, it doesn't seem to happen in, in much of 
modern day evangelicalism. Right. And so I think those are things that we, we do need to consider. We, we need to consider um, when we are in church, you know, uh, if you're sending your children off to the, the nursery, uh, that's understandable. If they're, they're loud, they need to be changed or they're crying if they're little ones. But if they're in, a, in an age where they can learn, if you're sending them off to children's church, are they going and learning something? Because, again, I'm not here to I'm not saying, you know, that's completely wrong if that's the church you kind of go to. I prefer family integrated, but even in that we're family integrated, but it's still not a hundred percent. Like we're talking about with these Puritans and family integrated, but mm -hmm. if that's the case, are they going off to play, to draw, to color and really not get a lesson and really not be taught? Um, or maybe they are, I don't know. I don't know that you as the parent would know that, but it may be more of a benefit if that's what it is, is just go play and be occupied. So I can sit here and hear the sermon that they sit here and hear the sermon with you, even if they're a little, you know, moving around a little bit or, or playing, you know, you, you, you teach them and it takes time. I've heard pastors say that, you know, sometimes uh, I was listening to, to a pastor talk about this. And he said, some people look at those families who have five children sitting with them in church and they're all sitting there very nice and, and quiet and they're mm -hmm. not moving around and their heads are forward and they're paying attention. And others will think, man, how do they get their children to do that? And this pastor said, if you ask those people, they'd say it takes time. It's mm -hmm. teaching because little ones wiggle and they move around. It takes time to teach them, but they're not going to learn if you constantly send them off. You know, this is why I think, again, um, when children start getting up to the age where they're no longer in the youth group, they don't want to come because that's boring to them. You're singing those hymns, those old yeah. hymns. You're sitting there for an hour and, and, and listening to a sermon. Um, I think those are things that we're teaching and training our children. That's important as well as what are our priorities? Are our priorities, other things, sports, other things during the Lord's day, or do our children see that as the priority? You know? Yeah. Just some things are, to consider. Yeah. Those are all good points. Obviously uh, my church, we have Sunday school. We don't have children's church. So everyone's together for the main service. And then, you know, and which is nice because then I can have like a my wife and my wife and I can have like a dedicated time of learning in Sunday school with our fellow adults, mm -hmm. and our kids can learn. Now, my kids, both my kids, teachers, um, even the teacher here at where we're attending while we're away, are phenomenal to not make it fluff. Mm -hmm. they teach the stories, you know, and they're not, they make color, but they're coloring a sheet that was part of the story that was told kind of to reinforce that, that kind of seeing the images, seeing the kind of the same, uh, my son's teacher back home has a felt like Bible story curriculum, like, felt like you can stick it is that like flannel uh flannel graph is that the old yeah. flannel graph like she's been using that for years we're talking there are children now whose parents were in her class and she used <laughs> the same thing like she's been she is faithful she is a good teacher with the kids and they enjoy it they get to be with their friends you know, 
as they get older, it is more instructive, more school-like. But then we can come together mm-hmm. and worship. And we can ask the kids what they're teaching. Like, and we have those conversations. Again, that's just that kind of repeated... Um, that reinforcement that reinforcement when you sit down when you you get up and just having those conversations that we we care and we're invested and we want them to know these things and and again and that's what god uses to soften their hearts and it's and you may be hearing this And you may, hopefully we're not making it feel like it's burdensome. At times it can be. Um, But the little joys, when they hear their verse they've memorized, said in a sermon, the ears, they pop up, they they start listening because they heard it, not from you. Um, There's the, the little joys that come with doing it. Um, but it is hard, mm-hmm. but you have to start. Right. It's what God has called us to do. Well, how we do family worship now is different than how we started it. We've changed as we needed. While we strive to do it every day, it doesn't happen. There's times that we can't, there's things that come in the way, but consistently we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's, what matters it's like bible reading if you miss a day it's okay just do it the next day don't don't get burdened by you're falling behind and so hopefully that's encouragement that if you're not doing it to do it do start simple figure out what you can and can't do we use the truth and grace from founders it's phenomenal the new ones use the esv and to think about the um, to think about these things, and as you know, the comment is there having godly wives help with these things. Susanna Wesley taught her boys, um, you know, Charles and John Wesley. You have Spurgeon's mom praying for him, giving him good books. There are other stories of mothers who are the foundation in which God used these peoples in mighty ways. Mm-hmm. And Augustine is just another one that comes to my head. And so, but that's again, we've spent a lot of time on this, but I think it, it's the most important duty as parents that we have. Right. It is hard. It is burdensome at times. I don't always want to do it, but the Lord is faithful. The Lord is good. And he's in this way, we're being obedient to what he's called us to do. And so there is that, that call to push. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so vitally important that we, we teach our children the word of God. We read it, we uh, put it on our walls, we put it put it everywhere so that they're seeing it consistently over and over again. 
it, it can never be repetitive. We can read the, the word of God a million times and learn something new. The spirit mm -hmm. does something with it. So the more that they're hearing it, the more that they're seeing it, um, <clears throat> we're teaching them that, that, uh, to, to, to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Um, God is faithful. And so we want to be faithful in doing that. These children were given as a gift from God. And while it can be hard, there are so many challenges that happen in life. There's so many distractions that we have today that can take our time. Um, just like yesterday, I wasn't planning on coming home and doing some work. I was planning on coming home and relaxing and resting. Um, and came home, a doorknob broke and I had to replace it. I can't leave my house unlocked. So I had to run and get the hardware for it, come and replace it. And always when you think something's going to go pretty quick, it doesn't go very quick. should be a simple thing, but it's not. And so then you're trying to, to do it and, and your evening's gone. And so we understand things happen. Life happens. And so it's important for us to, to do that, to be able to teach our children, to, to raise them to know the Lord. And then they can see those things in our lives play out. You know, um, that again, was another thing I was short yesterday because I wasn't planning on that. And Piper was trying to help, but she was getting in the way. And I'm like, go in the living room. I'm trying to see this. I can't barely see it. And it's dark and it's little holes. But again, those are things that my children then are seeing. So I need to, to, to seek the Lord in those things, to be patient, to, to be able to show them and demonstrate to them not to get so frustrated when things don't go our way. These are things that are here. Let's see here. Um, all right. So um, now we have to talk about when it comes to uh, raising our children, there's a need for discipline in our children. But starting before discipline, obviously, we want to start with an understanding why discipline is important. Uh, because the Bible teaches us that the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. Uh, Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary for his of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son, as a father, the son in whom he delights. Uh, Hebrews 12, 5 through 11 uh, goes on and says, uh, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises is every son whom he receives. And then Revelation 3.19 says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. So God's discipline for his children is out of love for them. Mike, you want to speak on this quickly and then we'll, we'll move into some, some discipline? You're muted. I'm going to put up a comment on my wife today because I think it fits in here. Um, so now, so as Christian writes, or we want to make the word sweet to our children rather than burdensome. We are not above some chocolate chip incentives in the Miller, in the Miller home. And so we do for family worship. We don't do it every time, um, but we do it a lot. We give the kids five chocolate chips. And based on how well they do on their verses or how poorly they do, or just other things we want to train, like are they paying attention, sitting still, we can give and add, we can add or take away chocolate chips. Um, the kids get upset when they lose chocolate chips. 
that's in one way, that's how we discipline them kind of in family worship. Um, if it requires actual discipline, you lose all your chocolate chips. Um, these are kind of, I know they're funny roles. They work very effectively. Um, we do, as we'll see here, how we discipline our kids. But I think when we think about discipline, that the, the Lord shows us in our own examples that he disciplines us. Mm. He disciplined Israel for their disobedience. He cast them away out of the, the promised land. He destroyed a generation of Jew, of, of, of the Israelites who did not have faith that he could conquer the promised land and were afraid and in one sense looked back towards Egypt even though what God was going to give them to them was better. And that, and then in then Proverbs 3, 11 through 12, the, the call for the son not to despise the Lord's discipline because the, the, the Lord reproves those whom he loves. And the relation is that the father disciplines his son because he loves the son mm -hmm. i think there's a connection there right that as parents if we fail to give proper discipline kind of moving hopefully pushing conversation a little bit if we fail to give proper discipline we ourselves will receive the discipline of the lord and and so we i mean there's times we have we've told our kids that Look, I have to discipline you because I need to be faithful to God. Because if I don't, God will discipline me. Mm -hmm. And and to kind of work through them to show that disobedience requires discipline. It requires the consequences of the choices made. You don't obey your father then who is who is an authority figure that's going to play out on how they act to other authority figures and, and so in disciplining it humbles ourselves humbles them it humbles us when the lord disciplines us to consider our ways to repent and turn back to him right to restore that relationship and the same thing happens when we discipline our children Right. That it humbles them from their pride and restores that the natural order of the relationship. Yeah. And that's why going into uh, as parents, it's important for us to discipline our children, as you just stated there, Mike. So I'm going to go through some scriptures <clears throat> about disciplining our children. Uh, had a bunch here. I probably won't go through all of them, but Hebrews 12, 11 says for the moment. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those whom have been trained by it. So again, you know, the writer of Hebrews, which I think is Paul, I don't know if Mike does, but the writer of Hebrews is um, speaking about this discipline. Yes, it's painful. It's not pleasant, but it's yielding peaceful fruit of righteousness. 
and it's training us. It's it's mold, it's it's helping to shape an individual. Mm-hmm. I think we see it in society, right, Mike, where parents who don't discipline their children, they become unruly. Parents who give their children everything they want, they become um, what's the word entitled, where they think mm-hmm. they 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 deserve everything. They don't know how to be told no, and corrected when they do something wrong. And, and all we have to do is look back over the last couple of years at, at what was going on in our society. You don't give me what I want. This is how I respond. Violently. This is not what discipline is meant for. It's to help train your children. And when you don't do that, that's a result of it. Um, a couple more here, and then Mike, I'll let you talk. On it, uh, Proverbs 23, 13 through 15 says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. A Proverbs 29, 17 says, Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will, he will give delight to your heart. Uh, Proverbs 19, 18 says, Discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. And so this is uh, God's instruction, and there's other scriptures that speak about disciplining your children, uh, and it is out of love for them. Because if you don't love your kid, you don't give them the discipline, you don't try to correct them, you, you just let them run wild. And then our prisons are full. People are murdered. Because there's no correction, there's no discipline, you just give them what you want. We have children right now who are being abused through all of this transgenderism, where the kid wants this and the parents say, okay, I'll let you become a boy. I'll let you become a girl and these surgeries that just destroy these children's body because they don't say, no, you're not a boy. If you're a girl, you're not a girl. It's disciplining them and, and, and leading them and training them in truth, in truth. So go ahead, Mike. Yeah. I think it'd be helpful to clarify what we mean by discipline. And I think, because you can discipline, and you can discipline in anger. Right. And one is effective, and one installs fear, which is not what you want. You want the tender hearts that discipline brings. And so when we, we think about discipline, and with the rod or you know whatever spanking tool you choose to use, ping pong paddle, wooden spoon, a toy that they've used to sin against someone. The, the the parents' heart needs to be in a position to administer discipline rightly. Mm-hmm. That is, you're not angry at the child. You're not disciplining the child in a anger because they've messed something up because of you or they've annihilated you, alienated you in some way. And, you know, you can, you can make a child submit in anger and fear, but there's going to be a point and we see this where they lash out. Mm-hmm. When, when the Bible talks about discipline, it is controlled. It is measured. And its goal is for humility 
and forgiveness and repentance. Right. And so while we use the rod to drive out, I mean, folly is bound in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline drives it far from them. There's this measured control. We use the children's age as the standard. So if they receive discipline, they receive as many swats as their age is for each offense. We do have a limit. Like you don't want to be abusive. We don't want it to leave marks. We want it to hurt, be a little red. Um, lying is we use double because of the offense lying is to God to, to instill truthfulness. But it's measured. Our kids know when they receive discipline, they're going to receive a certain amount of spankings. Mm-hmm. They they they're, they're, they know ahead of time. And if there's multiple offenses, they will know how many of those they will receive. And, but it's, again, that, that gives us control that, that sets the expectations what the kids are to receive, but that also controls us. Right. So we're not just like wailing on them because they've upset us. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about disciplining children, and this is how God does it. God disciplines us what we need for us to turn from our sin. Now, God is the perfect executor of justice. As parents, we need wisdom and guidance from the Lord to do that. But our hearts should reflect the same, that that this discipline is painful for the moment, but it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness. If your child resents you, that's not peaceful fruit of righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so, again, thinking of we have to – it's not just spanking for the sake of spanking. There is a godly purpose in which is to be done and executed in a way to bring about that purpose. And if you do not do it, whether you lack or it's too much, you will have the consequences of your own sins, right. whether in, in not doing what you're to or being too – aggressive and provoking your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's key what you just said there because that's where I was going to go uh, with that. When uh, it's important to understand when we're speaking of discipline like you said to set those to kind of define it. Um, there are abusive people in the world that abuse and they take it too far. Uh, and and sometimes people use the Bible as a tool uh to um uh to attack people and you know this rod is not one to to hurt or maim the, the child it it's to discipline them out of love and as you said i think it's a good thing too to have it's good to sit down with your children and say look uh, here's some rules you don't, you don't have to give them i was listening to to Doug Wilson uh talk about this with a parenting book that he had um and he was talking about how um you don't have to give your children legalistically hundreds and hundreds of rules to follow you give them a few, and then you enforce those rules. So when they don't do these things, then you you enforce it, and you and you need to be consistent with enforcing those things. But you're letting them know the expectations. You know, it's kind of like the Bible has 613 Old Testament laws, the Ten Commandments we have, and then summarized in two: love God, love your neighbor. 
right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you're making it simple for the kids, but then you're also giving them the consequences. Look, if, if you tell your children, be in the house at eight o'clock, and if you're not in the house at eight o'clock, you're not going to play your video games this week. They know this is the consequence. So if they don't come in on time, they already know the expectation for that, you know? And I'm not perfect in that. There are times, you know, where, where you don't set the expectations or, or let them know, hey, here's the consequences for this if you don't do these things. But it is a good practice as you, you was bringing that up. That's kind of what went through my mind. So then they know if I, if I disobey here, this is the consequence. And they're learning to weigh that, you know, because when they get in society, they have to weigh that. Otherwise, again, they can just run amok being a law unto themselves until the law comes and takes them away. Right. And so, <clears throat> but that provoking your children to anger, if you're doing it in such a way where you're, you're responding to them in anger, it's a way of provoking them. That then, as you said, Mike, then the consequences come. A couple scriptures for that. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children uh, to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So discipline them, but don't provoke them to anger. Ephesians 6, 4. Colossians 3, 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So, Mike, what you were saying there, uh, very important. Uh, we'll kind of uh, move on and, and, and close this out. But when we think about children, so we want to, the scriptures speak about children obeying their parents. But ultimately, the parents are responsible to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It's responsible for them to give them the instruction, to be that model that is modeling Christ-like behavior for them, being self-controlled. Uh, being loving, kind, gentle. Uh, it's important for a parent to discipline their children. Th- these are important models in which you're modeling Christ-like behavior. But the Bible does say to the children in Exodus 20, and Mike, we, we, you mentioned this earlier when you talked about the Ten Commandments, and it says, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that your Lord, that the Lord God is giving you. Deuteronomy 5, 6, uh, honor your father and mother as the Lord your, your God commanded, that your days may be long and that you may go well, that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. It says with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, as I, I mentioned, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So there is the commands there for the children. But this is the only way the children are going to know these commands and be instructed in these commands is if you're raising them and teaching them the word of God. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I'd be remiss if I did not quote the Baptist Catechism at this point. Um, And thinking through of the fifth commandment, um, there's four questions. The first one is, what is the fifth commandment? from Exodus 20:12. But the next one is what is required in the 5th commandment. So thinking okay, well, what is the duties that he performed to fulfill them? To fulfill this requirement. The 5th commandment requires the preserving in honor and performing the duties belong to everyone and their several places and relations as superiors, inferiors or equals. And so when we think about this promise to children obey your mother and your father it's not just this children obey your parents there there's more to it there is this life of understanding and doing the duties that required 
in my position mm-hmm. as a son. I have certain duties in which I'm required in relation to my parents, even at my age. My children have the same, have certain duties that they are required at their age in respect to me. And they have duties in which they're required in respect of each other as equals. And when we think about our duties as parents, when we are training them to honor your father and mother, we're not just training them to honor us in some legalistic way, but we are training them on how they are to honor their other people in the different situations in which they find themselves, whether they are a boss or an employee. And when they become parents to their children, you know, when my parents get old, there is a responsibility for me to try to take care of them the best that I can Mm -hmm. and to do it. And so then what's forbidden as the catechism would come, we then neglect or do anything against that honor or duty belonging to each one in their several places and relations. And then the promise of long life. When you honor your mother and father, when you honor the people and the positions in which they are related to you, you have a promise of long life that is well for you. As Hebrews would say, you have the, the peace, that peaceful fruit of righteousness. Mm-hmm that goes with you. And so, you know, even as parents, I am to honor, to help my kids honor me in such a way that they can bring honor to me, that they can, as we will tell them, that they show honor and obeying all the way right away with a happy heart. This is the same that God requires us. God doesn't want half-hearted Christians. He doesn't want half-hearted people following him. He wants us to to follow him all the way, right away, and with a joyful heart, with a happy mm-hmm. heart. And it is our duties to show the kids, on teach our kids how to obey that command. And then it is imperative for the kids to learn how to obey that command as they see us obey it within our different spheres of life. Yeah. And just some, some words of encouragement to you. If, if you uh, are a parent and your children are a little bit older and you think, man, I wish I would have uh, started doing this when they were younger. You don't, you can still start. You can still mm-hmm. start to implement these things. Even if your children are out of the house and when they begin to have their children, you can kind of implement this with your children's children um, in, in the things in which you are seeking to teach your grandchildren. Um, so it's, it's not something that you can just say, well, I missed my time. No, you can, you're able to do that. And even with your grown children, you can go back and say, Hey, here's some things that I've learned from the word of God and some things where I recognized I did wrong. Forgive me for that. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and that is modeling Christ to your children, regardless of their age. And so, um, I just want to be, want you to be encouraged, uh, because we all fall short, uh, there are so many things we, in our minds, we know we should do this and we want to do these things and the busyness of life can come along, but we want to make sure that we, we understand and recognize that these children that God has given to us is a, is a gift from him. 
And so we want to raise them to know him. We want to be faithful to our Lord. As Mike, as you said, when it comes to disciplining, if, if, if I'm not disciplining my child, if I'm not raising my child to know the Lord, God's going to deal with me. And so I want to be faithful to God and love my children by being faithful to the Lord in raising them to know him. And so the outcome obviously is of the Lord. We can't make our children's Christians, um, but we can pray for them. We can lead them and instruct them and teach them in truth, which is in God's word, uh, and and pray that God would bring them to saving faith. Now, I think we want we wanted to talk about a few resources. We'll maybe throw some things out there. Uh, one of the things I, I want to recommend is uh, whenever I want to find a recommended resource, I type in recommended resources and I go to Lincoln here right? Because they have a lot of great resources. I use that yeah. when I go to commentaries for if I'm looking for something on a teaching mm-hmm. and I'm like, what is the best resources for, for that? And Ligonier usually has that up there. But I put in for, for parenting and they, they here's five books. And then Mike, you can go ahead and talk about some, some resources if you want. Um, but Parenting by God's Promises, How to Raise Children in the Covenant of Grace by Joel Beakey. Uh, their next one is Shepherding a Child's Heart, which I do have that book here. Uh, and have been through that th- by Ted Tripp. Uh, they say uh, another one here is teach them to work, building positive work ethic in our children by Mary Beaky. Uh, the duties of parenting by J.C. Ryle. There's an old one for you, um, by by J.C. Ryle. Um, like our father, how God parents us, and why that matters for our parenting by Christina Fox. These were a few resources they had there on Ligonier. I do know the one from Ted Tripp. I know uh, Joel Beakey, Mary Beakey, J.C. Riles. These are solid, uh, good um, individuals, faithful to the Word of God. And so uh, these are ones that I'm looking at even for myself, thinking, man, I mean, maybe I should pick these up and, and read these. Um, those are just some resources. Some of the things we do, like I said, we teach our children in our homeschooling for uh, Bible class. Um, we try to be faithful and not always like that, not always faithful with family worship, you know, uh, just being transparent there, uh, things come in into play. And so we, 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 we fail in that, but wanting to be consistent, at least letting our children know these things are, are coming out of our, our mouth every day. We have these conversations about the things of the Lord. Um, and we, we pray for them and we, we pray at the dinner table and then we sing the doxology. Some, some people think we're strange. Matter of fact, just a quick story. We went out to eat one time because it's a common practice for us to pray for our, our meal and then sing the doxology. Well, we prayed at this little restaurant. It was like a little hamburger restaurant thingy. We prayed and then we was getting ready to eat. And Piper said, are we going to sing? You know, it's like, okay, in public, let's sing the doxology. But that's the child being used by God to convict me of, you know, doing something that we do as a practice. So, um, but these are just some of the resources we use. We, we use answers in Genesis and a few other things for in our teaching of our children to help them have some good answers to things that the, the world's going to throw at them. Um, those are just a few uh, that we have. Uh, Mike, go ahead. Yeah. Some that um, my wife and I have read that have been very helpful is by Ginger Hubbard. She has a book called Don't Make Me Count to Three. And she has a little pamphlet called Wise Words for Moms. Um, so don't make me count to three would be kind of the application of parenting by one of the trip. I think it's Ted Tripp. Mm. Um, if I remember right. Don't quote me on that one book. We started reading it. 
my wife didn't care for some of it wasn't like bad teaching it just it didn't flow very well reading it was kind of difficult to to get through um ginger hubbard was very applicable very biblical and her understanding her idea of don't make me count to three is that that's just teaching delayed obedience um that's the that's where we get our language of obeying all the way right away and with a happy heart um her wise words for moms gives this idea of putting off the sin and then putting on kind of the right response and so that has been very helpful in our own discipline our own thought on discipline that came highly recommended by moms um, from our church and and we have enjoyed it also um, i've already mentioned earlier but if you want to do family worship and kind of do catechism bible memorizing and him and memorizing hymns the truth and great the truth and grace series from founders ministry is just really good the updated version uses esv the old edition if you don't want the esv is the new king james you could probably just use the verses in it and do whatever translation you want though they print out the verses in the book so it's helpful that way um i just it gave us some structure it gives us something to do um it allows our kids to hide the word in their heart but they may not sin against god it allows us a teaching tool we need to discipline them like you know children obey your parents in the lord for this is right ephesians 6 1. um so it's it's just been helpful and um i know don whitney has a book on family worship you can get some other stuff by terry johnson um pastor at independent Baptist, independent presbyterian church in savannah um and just and then um the family worship guide from puritan or reformation heritage press joel Beakey's press house um gives you kind of helps you with when you're reading chapters of bibles by giving prompts and questions to think about and apply as a family and to to again kind of get into the word um as a family and do it that way. So those are some of my recommendations on just kind of this whole uh, thing. My wife also, um, the disciple parent, the disciple making parents by Chip Bettis has been, was also a very good one um, that we've used and helped us a lot um, in just doing this. Um, and then, yeah, Ginger Hubbard also has a parenting podcast if you want to, to listen to that if you have time for those um and those have been obviously and then also um finding godly parents in your church and asking them using them as a resource and helping you to become a better parent that's what the, i mean books are good podcasts are good right right but if you can find a family in your church and that has been most helpful mm -hmm. just when we need instant answers going to people in the church getting the answer getting some answers trying different things um you know we've had problems with our son responding to the rod and our we have parents in our church that help us to think of other creative ways in addition to to help prove the point 
to mm -hmm. to show the seriousness um because we needed more creative discipline ways than what the rod was performing as i said it was an addition to we never got rid of it um but again i can't i guess i can't stress like while books and all these are good and we should raise them and we can do that um just if you know a godly family you like mm -hmm. how their children act they're great resources to help you and what they do um, that way too. Right. And that's why we stress here on G220 Radio, <clears throat> the importance, the absolute necessity and importance and the value that you get from being a member of a local church mm -hmm. um, to be around others, to see how they live life and to, through that, be discipled by them. Uh, because you're seeing how they are instructing their children, how they're living with their wife and how, just the things that they're doing. And you can go to them older saints and say, hey, can you give me some instruction here? Can you help me out? And, and that is such a value. Um, and the way that God has designed it for the church to uh, build one another up, right? To come together, to serve one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to disciple one another within the means of the local church, which God has given to us. Well, that's been our show for tonight. Um, next week, we're going to be going back to our series on Proverbs. Uh, we're going to be talking about Proverbs chapter 22, verses 1 through 16. Um, and so you're going to want to tune in next week. And then the following week, we'll finish up that chapter of Proverbs. Um, but we are glad that you was able to join us tonight. This was our family series. We wrapped it up. Again, this will be, uh, I'll have to go in there and and put it in the playlist, but it, it will be uh, eventually in the playlist of the family series. And so you can go and just go through all of those. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, any feedback you want to give to us, you can email us at g220radio at gmail.com. Again, it's g220radio at gmail.com, or you can just comment in the comment section of wherever you're watching it. And we will do our best to respond uh, as time permits and allows us to, but we will get back to you. So uh, until then, God bless and uh, good night.